This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, good morning and welcome to this uh, Monday midweek show. Well, it's actually not. It's Thursday, the 2nd of May. Can you believe it? The year, five months into the year almost. Well, we are in the fifth month of the year. Things are flying along. And the great news for me and certainly for all you technicians, sort of technological type guys out there, the pace of technological change, the pace of what's happening in the tech world just is not slowing down. We are seeing more and more innovation, more and more gadgets, gizmos and whatnot hitting the streets. And hopefully here in sunny South Africa where the sun shines, the lights aren't always on to power our wonderful new gadgets, um, things will certainly start happening quite soon. The CASA actually were in the news for all the wrong reasons in the last week. ICASA are the body that's supposed to regulate the mobile networks and the airwaves with regard to spectrum and radio and television, anything to do with radio, television, mobile spectrum. They're supposed to be independent. They're a Chapter 9 institution. They're supposed to regulate. But unfortunately, we know what happens in South Africa with regard to political interference. Well, this week... um, well, started last week, but essentially CASA are given money by the government to do their job, and the Department of uh, Telecommunications decided not to pay them for some arbitrary reason. It was never entirely clear why they wouldn't pay ICASA to do their job just before the end of May. Um, so I think they weren't even able to pay salaries on time because of that, and they threatened to take our dear Department of Communications to court to get them to meet their obligations and pay them the money they needed to continue with their job. Well, I mean, if we put this into a book, people would think we're talking nonsense. It's real fiction. But that's what happens in sunny South Africa. In the end, the government capitulated, gave ICASA their money, and uh, hopefully they'll do some of the work that they need to do. And the real thing that they need to do is give some spectrum to the mobile operators. My Broadband, which is a great tech website, did an amazing analysis because what's happened this week is that the Competition Commission came out with some preliminary findings, suspiciously close to elections, um, had the minister of something or other who is a great anti-capitalist sitting there helping them along. So I have no doubt it was a complete political ploy because whenever the government needs to drum up support, all they do is say data must fall, data is the most expensive in the world. Well, what my, my broadband did, which was fascinating, is they compared the allocation of spectrum per network in South Africa to all the countries that um, the Competition Commission benchmarked us against. And interestingly, of those... Only two of them have 4G, and only two of them have limited 4G, whereas South Africa is close to 80 to 90% 4G coverage of the entire country. And they also benchmarked it and compared it against the amount of money that the mobile networks are investing in the physical network in this country. And funny, it should come out this way. The bottom line really is this. Data prices are expensive in this country for two reasons. One, Of all the countries in Africa, South Africa mobile networks have 36 megahertz of spectrum, which is less than half, in some cases less than a third, of the spectrum that's been allocated to all the other countries. I mean, Mozambique has got 160 megahertz of of spectrum, with probably a tenth of the mobile um, 
capacity that we need in this country. I mean, there are over 100 million connections in this country, and I don't think there's 30 million or 20 million in, in Mozambique. And that is where the money goes. That's where uh, it costs money. I mean, the mobile networks are, have spent over 30 billion rand in the last couple of years to make their networks as good as they are. So you can't divorce the quality of the network, the spread of the network, and the fact that they're doing all sorts of technical tricks, very simple, and I think we've got a break for our, our, our adverts in two seconds, but very simple. The reason why Spectrum's necessary is that in order to get the number of people on the network, the networks have to build more and more base stations closer and closer together, which costs hundreds of millions of rands, whereas if they had the Spectrum, they could do fewer base stations and the cost of data would fall exponentially, and that's where it rests. I'm not saying they're angels, they're businesses, they're out there to make a profit, but simply put, they're not, they, they are trying to operate in a highly technical world with both arms tied behind their back and the government hitting them in the stomach every two seconds whenever it feels like scoring a couple of political points. So on that note, we're going to break for our sponsors and I'll be back with some more interesting news. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back, and we'll move on from the whole data issue with Vodacom and, and MTN getting hammered by the Competition Commission. I do believe after the elections it'll settle down, they'll have their usual little meetings, and they'll come to some arrangement. But essentially, ICASA has to, finally, and the government have to finally give the, the necessary spectrum to the people who can actually afford to use that spectrum and to improve our data costs and data speeds. That was the other thing. Interesting. I'm sorry, I keep coming back to this. South Africa has three times to four times the data speeds of every comparable country that was cheaper than us. So if you look at the cost per megabyte and you look at the cost per megabyte per megabyte per second speed, South Africa is way cheaper than a lot of these countries and way better. Can you imagine? In fact, here's a trick. All you guys who moan about the cost of data... Go and switch your phones off 4G onto 3G and insist on working on only 3G for a week. I promise you by the end of the week, you will be a lot less uh, irritated with the networks when you switch back to 4G. And understand 5G, when it comes, if it comes with the necessary spectrum in South Africa, is exponentially better in all respects, than 4G. And it's not only the speed, it's how fast you get the information, the responsiveness of the network, the coverage and the ability to maintain high-quality connections, even in very marginal areas of 5G, is exponentially better than 4G. So the experience of using any mobile-connected device will go up an order of magnitude. But it's not going to happen in South Africa until such time as our dear ICASA and the government who stands behind them and doesn't pay them much gets their act together and finally accepts that the big guys are the ones who can afford this, not the little guys. Anyway, moving on to a much more interesting thing, for me anyway. I was spent the last few holidays cleaning up around the house, and I realized that I have got, if not thousands, I've got thousands of CDs, good old silver CDs. What's interesting, I don't actually have a function. I do have a functioning CD player, but it's not plugged in. It's not working. So, and my car still has a CD player, but I have got thousands of CDs sitting around with some amazing music, all in a cupboard, getting dusty. And apparently CDs do not last forever, so possibly a couple of them won't work. 
And the reason I don't touch my CDs is very simple. I use two streaming services, one of them being Spotify and the other one, which is a high-quality uncompressed. So if you're an audiophile, you have any audiophile tendencies, uh, check out Tidal, which has got a very, very attractive South African pricing of 119 rand a month, which is far less than the cost of a CD, and you can stream in completely uncompressed. And in fact, they've enhanced it beyond CD quality to master quality, which is beyond CD quality in many respects. And these two services have got so much music so many choices that, yes, I'm sure there are a couple of CDs out there, some really rare, obscure stuff that I have that is not on one of those two streaming services. But essentially, I don't have enough hours in the day to listen to that music, and I'm perfectly happy with those two services. And Spotify have announced that they have now reached 100 million paid subscribers, which is a first for any music service. And they added more customers in the last couple of quarters than than anyone would have thought and um, Spotify South Africa announced that they took on 4 million customers in the last quarter uh, and it has really pushed their stock price, not that that really happens anywhere, but what Spotify have done, they've doubled down on this podcast bet with two strategic, strategic acquisitions, a company called Gimlet and a company called Anchor and people are spending more and more time, if not listening to music, not listening to linear radio off the air, streaming podcasts, informative information. And I must tell you, if you if you are using the Spotify app, have a look at the podcast section. And that is why I use Spotify and Tidal. Spotify is definitely broader in its overall scope than, um, than Tidal in terms of other things. Tidal's got videos, which you can't watch in the car, but, but podcasts that they've got um, – uh, that Spotify have got are amazing to listen to in the car when you're traveling. You know, you can download them, listen to them on planes. It's just amazing how much information about topics that you're interested in are available through podcasts. And it's really, really, really useful. So if you haven't joined the streaming revolution, even if you for the years sort of faded, you didn't listen to a lot of music, try Spotify. It's free. They have a free tier. Tidal doesn't. But Spotify, if you're happy to listen to adverts and uh, give up the ability to skip tracks, you know, willy-nilly and choose exactly what you want and to download, you can actually listen to Spotify at very low data rates for nothing, which except for the data costs. Well, back to Ecasa and the boys. But the fact is, on Wi-Fi, and the growth of Wi-Fi across the country is definitely there. It is much cheaper to have a Spotify uh, subscription than to buy music in any way, shape, or form. And, in fact, there's a lot of talk that our friends, the, the ubiquitous music purchasing service, which was Apple's iTunes Store, should shut down because there's no reason. They've got their own music streaming service, which, based on the scale with a billion clients around the world, is also doing unbelievable stuff. Um, we are seeing the growth of streaming services across the world becoming fairly exponential. And why not? Why would you not want access to 30, 40 million tracks all for a fixed monthly fee globally between around about $9 in South Africa? They've given us a break because our rand is so weak for around about $5, $6 to, to, to listen to absolutely everything you want on any device that you want. You can stream it to your hi-fi, you can stream it to your TV, you can stream it to your phone, you can stream it to your computer. It's just unbelievable how wonderful it is and how they are so clever at showing you new stuff. And music, 
is an amazing thing. It it really does work for me. So check it out. Check out Spotify if you just want probably the best and broadest service in the music industry. And if you're a if you're even slightly interested in the quality and the absolute power of of high uncompressed music, then check out uh, Tidal. They the two services. As I said, I use them both, and I find them extremely complementary. Now, moving on to some other interesting uh, tech news of the week, which has been quite interesting. And I'll go into this in a little bit more detail after the break and after I've done my short Tech Talk Cafe. I tried to get an interview this week, <clears throat> but I was unfortunately not able to actually record it. It was, it was just an interesting thing. And it's, it's a company called Naked Insurance, um, and they insure cars just to be clear about what they do. So we'll be back um, after this ad break, and we'll talk a little bit about naked insurance, but also we're going to talk about Facebook, all the changes that are coming to the Facebook apps and the F8 conference where the big word, in fact, there were drinking games about it, called privacy. Privacy is front and center of what Facebook are trying to do in the next little while. So we'll be back with lots more after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Oh, welcome back. And as I said earlier, um, we are going to talk a little bit about Facebook and the F8 conference, but essentially it's their developer conference. They, they, it's held April, May every year in America at this time. And what Facebook does, it takes that opportunity to share with the developer community because Interestingly, the developer community is massive with regard to Facebook. Remember their reach. They've got 2.3 billion users, billion. I mean, that's orders of magnitude more than most people can even think, except for our politicians. They love talking in billions. And politics is going to pop up in the show every now and then because we have an election next week. So if I may add, please go vote. I think it's very important. Don't waste your vote because you're disillusioned. Just get out there. Make your mark for whatever it's worth. Yours might not count, but a thousand of yours might. And if you don't, you don't. You have no no vote if you don't vote. So go and make your mark. It might just feel better. And apparently very well organized. The queues are not great, are not a problem. So get out there and do your thing. Anyway, back to Facebook and F8 conference. Essentially, they have released all the, the changes that are coming. And Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> quite honestly, did a little mere culpa. He stood there and he said, you know, I'm going to take it on the chin. Security has not been one of our sort of strong points in the last year or so. There have been a number of scandals. There have been a number of, of issues. There still are huge security concerns around the data that you give to Facebook. And there's no question that the way, the nature, the style Regulations like GDPR in Europe, Poppy in South Africa, and many other legislative rules around data privacy, security, and protection um, are growing exponentially. And security, as we move our entire world online, our lives sit on a hard drive server platform somewhere in the world. We don't know where it is. We don't know what's being held there. We tend to forget the password, and the stuff sits there forever. And it literally does sit there forever. So I'll, we'll talk a lot more about that in a few minutes. But what I wanted to share, and this was really interesting. I, as I said, I tried to do my traditional, you know, fireside chat, chat about what went down here. But I was told that very simply, there are a new bunch in town. They can give me the whole lowdown of their 
their product in 15 minutes tops. It's simple, it's clean, um, it's clean, it's simple, and it's really, really, really uh, a clever, clever little thing. And it's called Naked Insurance. Now, they've been going for a year now. I've been... I've seen them, I've monitored them, and it was just a pleasure to sit down with them and to find out exactly what they're on about. And insurance, unfortunately, is one of those grudge products. It's not something that anyone really wants, but unfortunately, it's absolutely something that everybody needs, be it home insurance, and in this crazy world out there, certainly um, car insurance is an absolute must. Bangs, accidents are going to happen at some point. Theft, unfortunately, does happen more often than we'd like. But very simply, you need to have some form of insurance. And it's one of those administrative nightmares that we all deal with. Come time to even sign up for insurance, it's hugely problematic. There's forms, unless you've got a really great broker that takes care of that. But that costs you money. They've got staff who sit there and do the forms, do the applications, do everything. Or if you do it yourself, you've got to go through that that whole process. Well, Naked Insurance are a, a group of young, smart, tech-savvy guys um, who've managed to fund through a, a company that funds Hollard. So they're really, and this is, I think, something that's really important. In financial services, in insurance, if you're going to trust someone to help you when things have gone wrong, you've had an accident, your car, your means of transport is out of action, you've got to be able to trust the people that you deal with. So putting that aside was one of my first questions with them is that they're not part of Hollard, they have nothing to do with Hollard, but the money behind them is the money behind Hollard, one of the investors of Hollard. So they're a substantial, smart, very, very tech-savvy company. They have no servers on the premises. That was another thing I asked them. Everything's up in the cloud, which is so, you know, forward-thinking in the tech world. There's just no question that... um, This seems to be the way that businesses work. So their overheads are limited to some smart techies, some smart coders, some smart guys who figured out a way to create an app and a bot. They've got a really clever little bot um, which allows you to get insured, get quotes for your insurance, and to make claims through the bot. And they do everything through the smartphone, which is really, really smart. One of the pain points that they showed me, which is really interesting, is if you go and buy a new car, you get to the dealer, you do the deal, you sign on the dotted line, finance is approved, but the dealer won't let your car off the floor unless you have insurance. So you've got to pick up the phone, phone a call center, spend 45 minutes on the line trying to get your insurance, and ultimately the the insurer will send through a, a form a document saying this car is insured and you can drive it off the lot. Well, they demonstrated in the space of exactly three minutes, you could get that all emailed, all done through their little smart bot on, on, on a smartphone. And it was absolutely painless, absolutely seamless, and it's just a brilliant, brilliant thing. It's new functionality that just came into play in the last month or so, so they were very proud to show me how well it worked, and it worked amazingly well. And one of the other things that happens is once you've got the insurance, and if it's a brand-new car, this doesn't apply to you, but if it's a second-hand car or a pre-owned car in any way or shape or form, all the insurers want to have that car taken in and have an inspection just to see if the car is what you've told it is. So you can't buy a car with a ding and then insure it in a month later. I mean, who would do that? It's just not possible that anyone would be able to um, 
do such a thing. But it, I suppose, happens, and insurers insist that you take your car to some place, spend another couple of hours of your day to uh, get the car assessed and checked out to make sure that it's, it's as you said it was in terms of insurance. Well, Naked have got a smarter way to do this. What you do is they call it a selfie. I think they've got that wrong. It's not a selfie. A selfie is when you take a picture of yourself, but an, or a car can't take a picture of itself. But anyway, they call it a selfie. What you do is through the app, you take a video of your car. You scan the video of your car, and um, they check it out, and they approve it instantly. So you don't have to, once you've bought your car, first of all, you've bought your car. You've got your immediate insurance uh, certificate. You drove it off the lot quickly, clean, no hassle. You then do that little selfie business. You scan it. And the same process happens if you accidentally have an accident. So once you've scanned it and your insurance is fully in place and everything is working, you, you're, you're safe on the road. You can then go and do your thing. The next clever thing happens if you have a, a, a minor accident. Major accidents, they've got a through the app. And this is where I must admit, maybe I didn't make it entirely clear right up front, but the entire product is based on an app that you download onto an iPhone or an Android phone, and everything works through the app. There is, in the case of an accident where you have a problem, emergency call services. They will get tow trucks out there. You've got a call center to call. You can actually speak to a human being because your car is out of action. But let's say you have a little minor bumper bumper bender or a scrape or a scratch or your lock is broken or your windscreen gets chipped. All of that can be done through the app. Again, take a little video of the damage. It's assessed. They come back to you within a couple of minutes. Uh, If you've been with them a while, probably quicker than that. But reasonable time frame, they approve your claim, tell you where to take the car, where to get your glass repaired, or do you want the guys to come to you and do it? That all happens automatically in the back end. And I, I just think it's it's so, in this day and age of instant everything, in this day of age of constant communication and the ability to get this type of stuff done, I must say the demo that I've seen um, was really slick. It's smooth. It's slick. They've got all these things covered. They've got a lot of the, the back-end processes all taken care of. So from your point of view, you pay your money, you claim when you need to um, in a very simple way. Apparently, their claims ratios have been, because of the nature of how they, they use artificial intelligence to make sure that your claims are valid, they've, they mentioned that one of the few companies, most companies tend to take a year or two or three to build up sufficient base to be claims positive. In other words, the, the, the monies they receive as premiums does not exceed the claims they pay out. Well, they've been pretty much claims positive since day one because of how slick their systems are and how taking all these videos seems to work extremely well at keeping people honest on their, their claims. They can't claim for stuff they didn't have, and they can't claim for damage that isn't there because it's all there. It cuts out the middleman. It cuts out the assessor cuts out so much overhead within the structure of the insurance business. <coughs> I'm not sure if that's good for employment, but it's certainly good for your peace of mind and keeping things going. The last thing I want to mention about the whole naked process is simply how slick and easy it was to insure a car. Again, just through the bot, you put in the you put in your if you even if you knew, you put in your car model 
gives you gives you the, you put in the year it gives you a couple of options you choose one of them then takes you through a series of questions have you ever had an accident have you had an accident in the last 3 years have you claimed in the last 3 years all this type of stuff quick easy very responsive through the bot it then asks you for your id number it does a quick credit check on you and from that and your address and they get all sorts of information which their system then works out a quote and that quote i must say compared to a couple of others that i tried was very competitive obviously you need to check these things out for yourself but i was very impressed with a quote you can add car hire you can add all the little bells and whistles you want you can reduce your um no your uh, pay in your excess if you need to obviously your 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 fee your uh, monthly payment goes up if you reduce the excess but all these things are under your control you can pick and choose and it had they have one last really amazing function which i think is brilliant if you travel a lot as i do what you can do is you can through the app instantly park your car so you drive it to our oh, tambo you've gone for two weeks you know it's in a safe secure locked environment what you do is you reduce your cover on the app on that day for the period that you've gone to simply theft and break in nothing else no driving on the road and it can reduce your premium for those 2 weeks by 20 30 40% a significant amount of money and if you travel a lot or perhaps don't use your car a lot it's not a bad thing and this happens on the fly in real time so you go you do it when you land you can reinstate your cover and drive your car out of the parking lot and um, money saved smart and um i just think that they are aiming to grow into other insurances but right now i think this is just such a clever slick easy to use car insurance so if you're thinking of buying a new car thinking of looking at options for car insurance try it out try the naked app out um have it compared to what you're paying right now you might be very suitably impressed with their rates uh, i'm not i'm not endorsing that i'm just saying that I was pretty impressed at some of the rates they came up with made me think certainly. So check it out it's a clever use of of AI a clever use of all sorts of um, systems and platforms that sit in the cloud all the development for now is in South Africa they are using some major cloud providers which have got some really interesting stuff which will actually read your face when you when you tell them what's been stolen from your car and and decide whether you're telling the truth or not but that's still to come but that is the power of technology that is the power of ai that is the power of how unbelievably slick and smooth and smart uh, technology can make your life and it's all happening through your smartphone which is pretty pretty incredible now enough about uh, the naked insurance people as i said i was super impressed with their just the way they worked in terms of their technology the way they they thought in terms of how to make you know the consumer's life easier and uh insurance is just one of those things you really don't want to hassle with you need it when you need it and you just want to pay the least get the most and move on as you go now back to facebook and their f8 conference as i said mark zuckerberg really took it on the chin for most people uh, i don't think they're being entirely I wouldn't say honest is the wrong word but the fact is Facebook is a machine they are out there to make money like other commercial entities and they're not a public service so you are paying for the Facebook app in some way or the other the way that you and I pay and a lot of people don't even realize this is that you are actually the product by having 2 billion people 
on a platform, all sharing their likes, their dislikes, their friends, their dogs, their families, you name it. Facebook collects enormous, I mean beyond enormous, mind-boggling amounts of data on each and every person, on each and every person's like of a restaurant, like of a place, travels, you name it. Every comment you make gives more information about you, your circumstances to Facebook. And Facebook monetized this information simply by selling advertising, selling the ability to target people globally to a very granular point, to an unbelievably specific type of recommendation. So if you're a company and you're looking for customers that have got blue eyes, black hair, um, ages 18 to 25, ride bicycles, uh, play football, all that sort of information can be fed through to face to an to you from Facebook, and you can send those specific people a targeted advert that is almost guaranteed to get some response at some level because everybody needs something at some time. And in fact, they can even figure out what you need before you need it simply based on the data they're getting from you. And the trick around all this data, the the, the, the concern that is arising is that this data has been, through the whole um, Cambridge Analytica I- issue, um, has been used for purposes that perhaps people had not agreed to, may, may or may not have been a bad thing, but the fact is if you use someone's data, you should at least ask them for permission firsthand. And secondly, it could be used in many, many ways that perhaps people are not comfortable with. Hence the whole story around the American elections, the story around our elections, or societal change. The fact is, Facebook has changed society beyond anything you and I could ever imagine. But the fact, but very simply put, that security, the data security, how you share your data, is, was the main topic of the whole uh, F8 conference. And what they've done is Facebook have pledged to begin a new chapter in its history. Um, and lots of plans were revealed. But I think some of them that really um, affect you and I, stuff that we use all day, some of it's really back-end and difficult to understand. But there were three main sort of platforms that the most engagement goes through. The first one being Facebook Messenger. Now, it sort of happens. You don't have to – if you're a Facebook user, pretty much Messenger exists there. I've received messages, and I hardly use Messenger from people simply because it's a great way to speak to me on certain areas. And this app is taking the lead on Facebook's new privacy-focused approach. So what they've done is they've made it end-to-end encrypted by default for the first time. This is something that WhatsApp did a while back, but now they've extended that to Messenger. So the messages are and, – and what that encryption means is that nobody has the key. The key exists between you and the person that you're talking to. Nobody can in, can unencrypt that information. Um, there have been issues around uh, WhatsApp because of that in certain territories around the world because not even Facebook, not even the people who own the platform can decrypt the information that is flowing between you and someone else. Um, they've also say they've completely rebuilt the platform from the ground up, uh, and it's part of their project which they call Lightspeed, which will make it much smaller, quicker to download, easier to use, and um, much faster to load. So it'll be a little slicker and everything to use. And they're also working on a standalone desktop app for both Windows and Mac. 
which will be really smart because right now, for example, you can use WhatsApp on a desktop, but it'll be cool to have a cross-platform system where no matter what you are, you can message, you can receive messages, you can do phone calls. It just becomes a ubiquitous cross-platform uh, messaging app. And with 2 point something billion, whatever, or 3 billion people on Facebook, the chances are you're always able to find the person that you want to talk to. So that's pretty, pretty cool. And Facebook, they're also going to give it a complete redesign. That whole blue look is going away. They're going all white and light. Um, and that redesign will come. The, the messenger redesign is happening now. The encryption is happening now. Expect you them to ask you questions about whether you accept these changes as you log in in the next couple of weeks. But the, the, the Facebook redesign, which is the physical redesign, is only going to come towards the end of the year. They're really looking at how to update a whole lot of different services. And been, they're including a whole lot of new features which will roll out over the next little while. Part of them is to try to get you to find new friends, how you interact with your friends. And uh, they've also starting with some physical products, which I'll talk about in a little while. Before we take our break for the next advert, um, I just want to mention two other major platforms that are getting a bit of a, a, a fix-up, and that's Instagram. Some people may not know that Instagram is part of Facebook, but it is. And um, they are working on a way to hide the number of posts so that you can actually focus on the content and not how popular that content is. But they are really trying to bring more and more attention to the posts themselves and and everything to do with the posts going forward and trying to remove the competitiveness and the sheer sort of misuse of it by many to just get likes and f and, and, and create all this type of hype around influences with thousands and thousands of, of followers, which I think is quite smart. I think it's all about the content. It's all about what you do with that content. But it'll be interesting how they balance the needs of advertisers to know what's going on versus the people that know who to follow. So that should be really interesting. WhatsApp, not much is changing there, but they are pushing hard on their business version of WhatsApp. So expect to see a lot more use around messaging within a corporate framework, within a business framework coming from them. And on that note, we've got to take a quick break for our sponsors. I'll be back with some gadgets of the week and some more tech info straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And I can see it's a bit of a quiet week. There aren't even a thousand live reads for me to go through. So we'll just keep talking tech. Just to wrap up the whole um, F8 conference, it was very, very interesting to see, and I think important to see that around the world, a lot of governments are talking about regulating social media companies like Facebook, coming up with a coherent platform of regulation and regulatory oversight across what they're doing, because they realize that these companies have become so big, people like Google, people like Facebook, people like Microsoft even, have got such control over the, our lives, the information that we share, the information we use to make our daily decisions, the information we use to run our businesses. So the power is, is, is interestingly shifting away from regional governmental agencies into massive corporate, faceless, stateless corporate entities such as Facebook and Google and, and those guys. And the regulation is coming, whether Facebook or any of these guys like it or not. At some point, the regulatory environment will catch up with technology. 
up to now, technology has been moving at such an incredible space, moving so quickly and changing so fast that it's almost impossible to regulate. It's like trying to regulate flowing water. They managed to get that right. But essentially, the, the, the nature and the style of what's been happening in the tech world has really made it incredibly difficult to come up with coherent and, and the right balance between regulation and free market. But it's coming, and Facebook have clearly clearly understood this and seen that they need to be more upfront about everything, much more transparent about what they do, much more security conscious in how they handle the the societal role that they play in terms of what they do with your information, how they manipulate or don't manipulate what they do, what information they hide, that whole Christchurch mosque massacre thing became a huge talking point across the globe about people who were sharing live streams on social media and all the alt-right stuff that was happening on Facebook. And as a platform, it was very easy to do. And they've used human curation. They've used a combination of massive um, artificial intelligence or algorithmic type setups to deal with all this. But the key is by re-engineering or promising to completely re-engineer the platform with focus on privacy first, focus on where this is going, I think Facebook are, are at least talking the right talk. Let's see if they actually deliver the goods in this regard and keep our information safer, make it more out under our control who sees what and who does what with what they get up to. Now, moving on to my gadget of the week, which is actually a pair of gadgets, which I've been playing with for the last couple of, uh, well, actually a couple of weeks, in fact, is the new um, Sony Xperia products. And a couple of weeks back at World Mobile, I interviewed uh, Christian Hughofer, who's the local South African head of Sony Mobile. And we discussed a whole lot of information about what is coming and where they're going. And these are the two first products that um, have hit the streets. And I think, just right up front, that Sony have done a great job around these new products. It's the new Xperia 10 and the new Xperia 10 Plus. Now, they are essentially mid-range phones, but I must tell you that no matter which way you look at them, no matter which way you play with them, they are they certainly don't feel uh, mid-range at all. The one retails for just under 6,000 Rand, depending where you buy it, depending what package you get it on, and that's the uh, Xperia 10. And the 10 Plus retails for approximately between seven and a half and eight and a half thousand rand you know depending on the packages and whatnot and they have one huge defining feature now sony has got a great reputation they've always had a great reputation for quality they've always been sort of cutting edge on the mobile on on in the tech world their tvs are extremely well known globally not available in south africa sony come on guys get your um Get your act together on that. Apparently, there's a glimmer. They may be coming back at some time, sometime quite soon. But um, mobile has continued in this country and has done pretty well, as far as I'm, I'm being informed, because it's a great brand. It's a great product. They are well known for their quality of um, of product. They're well known for their service and their support. And I think that all stands them in good stead on the new Xperia 10. But as I said, it has one major standout feature, both the 10 and the 10 Plus. They, 
we've all got used to the new look and feel of, of smartphones. They're all a lot taller than they used to be and a lot slimmer. And that was what they called the 18 by 9 aspect ratio. Well, these new devices come in a 21 by 9 aspect ratio. So they, they are much taller than they are wide. And they actually look a little slim and, uh, at first a bit odd, if I, if I want to be blunt. But you very quickly get used to it. And the reason that this has happened is Sony say they've done some research and they found that a ton of people consume their primary consumption of movies, games and all sorts of video media like YouTube is on their phone. And because of that, you often find that the, the picture is either truncated or you don't get the full cinematic feel. And I must tell you, it comes with the Netflix app pre-installed. And Netflix and Sony have got quite a thing going for their TVs and now for these phones. They recognize what device you're playing on and it optimizes the picture and the aspect ratio to that device. So watching a movie on the uh, 10 and the 10 plus is really great. The screens are amazing for them. For the money, these are really, really, really good quality screens. And um, I can see, unfortunately, we're running out of time really quickly. But the the ten my pick of the two is the is the Xperia ten. It is selling for under six thousand rand. It has two tiny not tiny there are two concerns that you should be aware of. It's using a slightly older processor, so for gaming, and sometimes it stutters a little. It's a touch slow. It's got sufficient RAM, memory, and storage which you can increase, but it can sometimes be a little bit laggy compared to the top flagships. And even compared to its 10 plus brother, which has got a more snappy sort of processor. The other thing is the battery life. They've kept these phones extremely slim and thin. And um, the battery life is good, but not outstanding. I normally can get through a full day, but generally by 4 or 5 o'clock I need it to top up a little. They do have fast charging and they use USB-C, so it's pretty easy to do. They don't have wireless charging, which is interesting. <clears throat> but what they also do is have very good cameras in the mid-range. In the mid-range, these sort of prices, there are a ton of names out there. There are a ton of product that exist, and some of them are names you know. Some of them are big guys like Huawei, Samsung. But here comes an alternative from a brand that I trust, that I think many people still trust, with some really unique features um, and phones that are really running the latest version of Android, very high-quality screen, something Sony is known for. I think some of the nicest screens in terms of picture quality, balance, sharpness um, on the market in that sort of sub-10,000 Rand category. And the build quality is certainly superior. The cameras, um, I can see we'll have to take a quick break for an advert, but we'll do that now, and then I'll be back and just wrap it up, give you a little insight into the cameras, because Sony have always been great on cameras. In fact, a lot of other manufacturers use Sony cameras in their smartphones. So we'll be back with that straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And just to wrap up my review of the Xperia 10 and the 10 Plus, they are available right now pretty much across all the networks um, at prices that range from 5.5 to 7,000 Rand. And if you're in the pr in looking for a high-quality mid-range phone with an excellent camera, that's what I need to, to just wrap up here. Both of them come with a dual camera on the rear, a really good quality selfie camera on the front, different megapixels. For all the info, all the details regarding that, if you want to read my complete review, you can pick that up on Be Brief, B -B -Brief or Be Brief, um, .co .za. 
and look for their articles, look for gadgets, and you should find the review of the Sony Xperia 10 and 10 Plus. And you can pick up all the things that I've un- been unable to, to talk about in this review. But essentially, if you want to find out more, go to sonymobile.com. It'll take you to the South African site. I think they're a great shot. Um, I think they're unique. The, if you watch a lot of video, play a couple of games, the new screen aspect ratio is really cool. It has the added benefit of being very slim in your hand, easy to handle. And they've even got an option with one swipe to swipe down and shrink the 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 screen down so you can use it one-handed. Very slick. I think they've put a lot of thought into it. I think Sony have always been very good with attention to detail. And it's a brand that many people trust, and I think you can trust this particular um, device to deliver a really competitive performance in the mid-range. There are compromises, uh, battery, processor speed, and a couple of other minor details. The back on the 10 is aluminium, not glass. These small things which may or may not uh, sway your decision. But I must say, I've been suitably impressed. I think they're very good quality products at very competitive pricing. And I think they'll give you good service. One last little thing on the MTN network, this 10 Plus gives you voice uh, advanced voice, voice over LTE, improves voice quality considerably, and it'll even do voice over Wi-Fi, which is cool when you're on a, a home home network. You won't notice the difference, but the quality of the voice definitely improves dramatically compared to the sort of noisy nonsense that you sometimes get with a standard GSM 3G call. And on that note, um, I just wanted to mention one last, last, last app of the week, which is something that I've been playing with. I know a lot of people are planning holidays for the July period internationally and locally but there's a great new it's not new, it's been around for a while but it's it's a booking site which gives you commission it's called Travel, T-R-V-L and there are a lot of them out there but this one is T-R-V-L dot com and, and in a nutshell it's a great hotel booking site and I don't believe it's the only one you should use you should always check against all the other hotel booking sites out there. I'm not going to name them now. But if you're looking for a clever way to get the best deal and get some money back, TRVL or Travel have got a clever little thing. It's a Dutch site, or Dutch. some Dutch guys put it together. But how it works is as follows. They register you as a travel agent or themselves as a travel agent. So you book and you book through one of the others, like book through booking.com, you book through one of the other sites. And they pay you back a commission on some of the, the bookings that I've done. You earn, I earn between 70 and $80 back. It takes three months to arrive, but it does arrive. And uh, it's just clever. It's one way for you to book and get some commission back because they obviously share the commission they get from the 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 hotel or the booking site. I'm not quite sure how it works in the back end. But check it out if you're looking for a great deal on, on travel and you're looking to get a little bit back and actually cut your costs a little, check out the TRVL website. It's trvl.com. They've got an app on Android and iOS, so it's stick and easy to use if you want to use it on your phone. But it's just a great way to perhaps, you know, check out what's going on and make a little bit of money back for your travels. And on that note, I can see we are fairly running out of time. I'm going to call it a day till next week with more gadgets, gizmos, and hints and tips about how to make the most of the technical and technological world that we live in. This is Stephen Ambrose on High FM for Tech Talk.